Hello and welcome to Talking Tudors, a fortnightly podcast about the ever-fascinating Tudor dynasty. My name is Natalie Gruniger and I'll be your host and guide on this journey through 16th century England. Are you ready to step through the veil of time into the dazzling and dangerous world of the Tudor court? Without further ado, it's time to talk Tudors. Talking Tudors, episode 99. I'm your host, Natalie Gruniger, and it's so wonderful to have your company. As this is the first episode of the month, I'd like to begin by thanking the wonderful patrons who continue to support this podcast and welcome patrons who joined the Talking Tudors family in January. A very warm welcome to Rhonda, Dee Lee, Vicky, T. Webster, Ruby, Beverly and Magella, welcome also to Sarah and Andrea. A number of others joined, but without identifying their names, so I do apologize for not naming you. I am, however, so grateful for your support and immense generosity. If you love the podcast and tune into every episode, perhaps you'd consider becoming a Talking Tudors patron. Just click on the Be My Patron on Podbean badge on the homepage of my website, www.onthetudortrail.com, or click on the Be a Patron button on the Podbean app. Join the Talking Tudors patron family, and in addition to receiving lots of Tudor-themed goodies, you'll be automatically entered into our patron-only monthly giveaways. February's prize is a vintage Anne of the Thousand Days movie brochure and a copy of Sandra Vasoli's brilliant book, Anne Boleyn's Letter from the Tower, A New Assessment. If you've been thinking about supporting the work I do, this is the perfect time to join. Now, on to today's episode. I'm so excited that joining me on the show to talk about The King's Wife, a new musical, is Grammy-nominated songwriter, independent recording artist and publisher Jamie Floyd, as well as writer extraordinaire Melissa Annis. The King's Wife is a new musical that uniquely retells the relationship between Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn, which were, of course, the first two wives of King Henry VIII. History paints these women as bitter enemies. The script has been flipped to tell their story differently. They're like-minded good friends, plotting and executing ideas for the future before they are stripped of choice, options and each other in a devastating game of politics and power. It's an untraditional period piece with the progressive vibe of spring awakening, the dark sensuality of cabaret, and a moving core story about female friendship and the detriment to the world when great women aren't allowed to rise. For today's musical break, we have a real treat. Break My Broken Heart is a beautiful and moving song from the King's Wife musical. It's a duet between Catherine and Anne at a very pivotal point in the musical. Vocals recorded in Nashville by the incredible Maddie Diaz and Emily West. After all that we've been through We both did what we had 
So you can't blame me, you can't hate me Just remember that you made me You don't get to just move on like We were never on the same side Welcome to Talking Tudors, Jamie and Melissa. I'm so excited to have you both on the show. 
Hello, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here, aren't we, Jamie? <laughs> yes, yes, very excited to, to be with you today. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I thought we could start with some introductions. So maybe, Jamie, do you want to go first and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. So I'm originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, I am a Grammy-nominated independent songwriter and artist living in Nashville, Tennessee. And I've had a long journey. I, I got my first record deal when I was 11 years old. And and so I've uh, I've really had a go in the music business, but it's uh, it's my passion and and truly in my heart I believe it's it's just my calling and what I love to do and and uh, I just over the years I as a songwriter and, and as an artist I've um, I've written songs for film and television and and uh, artists that you you would have heard of yeah and I played the Grand Ole Opry just recently as an artist for the very first time I made my Grand Ole Opry debut and. And these last couple of years have been um, very exciting for me. I wrote Kesha's last single. I wrote Kelly Clarkson's new collaboration with Jay Coop coming out very soon. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been really fortunate these past few years to see my career finally just start to pay off all the all the uh, investment that you've given yourself over the years is, is finally coming to fruition. So it's been really a beautiful thing to have happen. Yeah. <laughs> what an incredible journey. That sounds absolutely amazing. And Melissa, what about you? Oh, uh, well, my name is Melissa. Hello, everybody. Um, I am from Wales. You will hear my accent. I'm sure it pops out every now and then. Um, I'm originally from Cardiff. I am a fluent Welsh speaker, now living in Brooklyn, New York City. And I am actually a playwright and a director. And I like to call myself a theatre maker. I'm also a, um, an educator and love everything to do with telling stories. So I guess I'm an all-round storyteller. Um, yeah, I guess that's sort of me in a nutshell. <laughs> I used to be, like Jamie, I started very young too. I used to be a child actress in a soap opera. So my journey has been a little bit more convoluted than uh, Jamie's. I've sort of gone through the different types of stories from highly dramatic to slightly more serious things like Tudory things. <laughs> How fantastic. Yeah. You both have such incredible backgrounds. I love it. That's, that's awesome. Now, you're also both part of a new musical called The King's Wife. So I want to hear all about this exciting project. Who, so who wants to jump in first? Melissa, take her away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jamie and I are writing a musical um, yeah. about three incredible women. I say three because, you know, our central character is Catherine of Aragon. And um, our story sort of centers around her and her, um, the way that she has to navigate the court, her relationship with her lady-in-waiting, Anne Boleyn. And of course, um, the third lady is Mary, her daughter. So we're telling the story of these three very, very powerful, very, very intelligent, strong women uh, in this during this a very turbulent time at the Tudor court. And hopefully sort of seeing that story through their lens, as opposed to seeing them as wives and daughters of the men that we always know of. So that's sort of what we're doing. We're sculpting a story about friendship, about education, about hope, about female rights about the things that get in the way and the obstacles that we have to conquer to get what we want as women, especially then at this very difficult, brutal time in some ways, but yet uh, exciting time for women because there were lots of great things actually happening that we've forgotten about. So we're sort of writing a musical about that, really, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, there anything I've forgotten there? <laughs> 
Oh no, no, I was going to say Melissa's our playwright for a reason. You know, she's she's just this this beautiful uh, storyteller that's that's just the glue that holds everything together. So I, I wanted to make sure we heard that from her. <laughs> um, all all I'll add to that is that just obviously I'm responsible for the music and what's been really beautiful for me to to try and or that I've discovered in this process too and learning about these resilient women is that. So it's, what's been really interesting to incorporate into the music is what they went through in their time, kind of looking at what has changed and what hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and looking at our lives today as, as women. And that's been something that's been really important to me to help weave, weave through the songs is kind of spotlighting just what has and hasn't changed. And mm-hmm. it's been a really interesting discovery process. And it's been uh, very encouraging to, to just learn, you know, learn from, from their triumphs, from their mistakes. And, and yeah, to just kind of dig in and also imagine, this is a, a big part of what we're doing is reimagining what was really going on behind the scenes. And we know that history has given us one version, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. And, um, but I feel like, we're kind of as though some of the pages have been ripped out and we're trying to put those pages back in and try to understand, you know, what pages may have been ripped out and, and what the missing pieces may have been. So it's, yeah. it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really, it, what's lovely about working on something that we all think that we know is realizing what we don't know. And that a lot, and we were just talking before we started uh, on this uh, show right now, the idea of historians, you know, we take facts, they take moments of history, of course, and then there's storytelling to be done in between. There's the weaving of these facts. And I think that what we're trying to do is weave it through our perspective, um, knowing the things that we know and trying to forget the things that we've been told over the years and the films that we've seen and the books that we've read and the seminars that we've taken and trying to sort of approach it from a different angle. And what Jamie's done with the music is just really, really incredible. It just brings so much heart to this world that we think we know. And it's a very contemporary look and sound. So uh, I'm really excited to see uh, the juxtaposition of the period time and the sounds of today. Oh, there's so much you've said there that I just, I'm just nodding my head thinking, oh, it's just such a fantastic idea because just that idea of connecting women through time and all those themes and all those threads that you mentioned that are so relevant and so timely to us now, I, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic idea, but I really want to know, cause I love hearing about how these ideas kind of start. So how did this idea come about? Well, it's an evolution, really. I think every story is an evolution. We have a producer who came with an idea, which was, um, I'd like to write a story about these two incredible women in friendship. And that's where it started. That was the kernel. But of course, the story has completely changed from that first moment. It's now something completely different because we've you know, brought in Mary and we've brought in a lot more contemporary stuff. So it started as a kernel of an idea two names essentially and then it became this beast of a musical which has become about sort of (laughs) the things that we are interested in and Jamie and I sort of um we've come together a lot of how long have we been doing this now two years yeah yeah I think it's probably almost our anniversary I know (laughs) (laughs) um we'll have to send each other a bottle of champagne Uh, um (laughs) so over the so the past two years we've basically been bringing our own lives our own experiences into the story and finding ourselves within the context of the past. And I think that that's kind of where the stories come from. It's come from us in a way. It's come from the things that we've learned since we've met each other. I know that it's evolved hugely in the past two years. Studying the history and, and, also, and also just 
like Melissa was saying, looking looking at our own lives and, and seeing bits and pieces of ourselves and Anne and Catherine mm-hmm. has been a really beautiful process. I personally, I obviously draw so much from Melissa's story and, and how she's just weaved together this this world for us, you know, so we can really see it and really feel it. And and I feel like I've just I kind of look for the the nerves and in the emotion and the heart of these characters where I go oh gosh, like I, I read, you know, what's written and what happened to Catherine, for instance, and how she was separated mm-hmm. from her daughter and, and, and just kind of discounted, you know, after, after being powerful presence in history, forget woman, just a powerful human in history, mm-hmm. right? And to have that so easily uh, stripped from her on just the a whim almost. I can relate to that in my own career, unfortunately. And, and, but it's been a really beautiful cathartic situation too, to, to really dive into where, where their heartbreaks happened and to, to compare heartbreaks and to kind of help fuse them together has been a really, I don't know, just a real, a self-discovery as Mm -hmm. well as I'm hoping that at least in songwriting, we always say the more detailed you get, the more universal it becomes. So I've really taken their heartaches to heart and, and I've tried to, to just dive in as much as possible, hoping that everyone will, will relate like, like we have. Yeah, it, it really has been amazing to sort of, the one thing that we kept going back to was what's been happening in the world too. And what happens when you have the most sort of the most qualified woman up for the job and she doesn't get it. You know, it's happened over and over and over. You know, we live in America and we saw that happen four years ago and we're still living with that. Not that this is a, I'm trying to say that this is a hugely political piece, though all art, of course, is political. There is something to be said about sort of that that hasn't changed, that you can still have the smartest woman, the most qualified woman up for a job and then the least qualified person gets it Mm -hmm. just because of their sex. And yeah. it's something that we've been very, very uh, conscious of while writing is that this is something that hasn't changed. Melissa, you know what that makes me want to share, if I can, just yeah, super quickly, is Melissa and I got to steal away to a cabin in Connecticut to like work a cabin on in our, the woods. Wow. <laughs> a cabin in the woods to, uh, to work on just together to just really hone in on things and for uh, a, a weekend. And um, I just always remember that weekend. This was a little over a year ago now. And we were talking and we were reading, we were talking, of course, about all this. And we were reading quotes by Thomas. We had read this quote from Thomas Cromwell and I'm paraphrasing but but he basically said had it not been for her sex Catherine would have gone down in history you know as, as a ruler in history and and we were sitting on the couch and like we built the fire and it was just like we we're trying to find our muse and you know and and um, and we we both came upon this this concept of or just that just hits home you know very very deeply and, and we were talking and within our discussion, we, we came up with the phrase un, unfortunate anatomy, which is basically mm-hmm. what Thomas Cromwell had said. And, and you know, unfortunately in, in our climates culturally now, you know, that's something that's still very prevalent and obviously still something everyone is, is, is aware of. And, and we ended up coming up with that concept there and, and I ended up kind of spinning it into a song called mm-hmm. Unfortunate Anatomy. It's stunning. And, Oh, well, thank you. Oh, all we, the songs I've heard are so beautiful. They're just oh, amazing. Everyone you. go and listen right now. Well, not right now, uh, after this. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us and then go after. But I just wanted to say that, that that none of these songs would have been born without, obviously, Melissa's storytelling and, and kind of finding the 
the uh, the heartbeat throughout throughout the story and, and latching onto that. But I just wanted to highlight that once we do share, you know, some of unfortunate mm -hmm. anatomy for me, like obviously I'm I'm so proud of what we've done. But for me, that song really probably hits on the the most specific nerve of what we're really getting at, which is Catherine's biggest mistake was her anatomy, which is something mm -hmm. that's that's really hard to to uh, sit with. But but um you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, that, that song lets everyone understands, you know, what we came to understand after just diving into her story. Yeah, there's a line in that song uh, that Jamie's written, which is first in line and second best, because it's Mary, she's singing the song to her father once he's married Anne Boleyn, you know, and he's looking to try and have a son to have an heir. And uh, knowing where Mary goes and the reputation she gets in the future, you know, this idea of bloody Mary and that she was this tyrant, we were so interested in who was she before all of this happened to her because ultimately she should have been queen you know there, there's so much going on there there was something about that line first in line and second best that just breaks my heart every time she sings it it's just it must have been awful for her awful absolutely heartbreaking and there's so much there's so much power I think in the music having just listened to the few songs that you've been able to release online and it, it is incredibly moving and the emotional link that you can make is is immediate and I think that's one of the beautiful things about music isn't it we kind of don't even have to think too much it's not a really conscious thing it's just something that happens so so beautiful now I know we you know we've mentioned that obviously history tells us one particular story and when we delve deeper we might find different angles and you have obviously found a different angle you've already said this is a bit of a retelling of the story and of Catherine of Aragon's relationship with Anne Boleyn so you actually present them kind of like like-minded friends so why did you you've you've touched on this with the themes that you've been talking about but ultimately why did you want to take this angle you know I think that um, I'm going to just dive into that idea of like-minded friends I want to break that apart a little bit because it's not that they're actually like-minded friends. It's that they see something in each other, you know, and the truth is if we look at their past and we haven't sort of gone in and say, how can we make these women different? What we've done is that we've sort of, we've deconstructed them in ways that you do with character anyway, right? As we do with human beings, what makes us who we are. And, you know, when we look at Catherine of Aragon, the thing that sometimes gets lost is the fact that she was the daughter of Isabella you know, of Spain. And she was a daughter of a very, very powerful ruler. She was a, a feminist of her time in many, many ways, though very traditional, very religious. She loved to sew her husband's shirts. You know, we play with the fact that sort of contradiction that is Catherine, which is how can I be a good wife and be a great ruler? You know, so she, so we're definitely sort of looking at who she is from childhood. What created this woman? And then if you look at Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn grew up in Europe. She grew up at a time where with um, Margaret of Austria and some incredible patrons that took care of her for such a long time, they were all reading very, very, what we would think of as feminist books right now. So in a way, what we're looking at is a woman who has strength in Catherine of Aragon and a woman who not ha doesn't necessarily have ambition to be queen in Anne Boleyn, but has ambition to be something more than she's told that she can be. This idea that she's... Um, she can speak several languages. She wrote operettas, you know, she was a very, very creative woman. So what we've done is we've recreated them as human beings and not just as pawns in history in a way. And so, well, what would happen if you have two women like that, one in the service of the other? Well, they're going to see something in each other. They're not necessarily best buddies, but they can inspire each other. 
and they can help challenge each other's ideas. And that's something we try and do in this piece is see that, you know, you can be different people, but if you have the same aspirations, you can find something in each other. And I think that's what they do. And in a way, Mary too, they find a future in Mary. They find a possibility in Mary. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes absolutely <laughs> perfect sense. Jamie, did you want to, to say something about that? Well, to, to make them human, to really bring them to life, like you were saying, you know, that they, they were not just these pawns that throughout history, so many accomplishments just across the board by, by different people have been downplayed, you know? I think what's been really beautiful is that we've taken this jump into this musical to, to bring them fully alive you know, and to, to fully see their personalities and all of these things that have been downplayed, including their, their talents and their, uh, their accomplishments and their, their ability to think. I, I think so much of, at least in, I, I'm certainly not a historian like you are, and, and I, I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners are, are, are incredibly well-versed in, in all of this, and I'm, I'm a newcomer to this world, but I'm learning very quickly that they just they really were thinkers and they were really, they had really incredible minds and, mm-hmm. and those especially were downplayed. And it's been really cool to try and try and explore that and really, really give them the credit and, and the, just the appreciation that they deserve that maybe they didn't get just yet. Yeah. That's such a good point that mm-hmm. you make about them being thinkers. Cause I think sometimes because they've been written about so many times for hundreds of years, literally centuries, they turn into a kind of two dimensional character right. rather than a human being. And so I think it's so important for us to remember, it sounds silly, but it's important for us to remember they were living, breathing human beings, mm-hmm. making decisions on the spot, like we do every day, not knowing yes. what was com- what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen yes. next week or next year. And I think that is sometimes lost and forgotten in the kind of massive primary sources and information that we all try and, and look at. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's been important to both of us um, to, especially just thinking about these lyrics, I always bring myself back down and I, and I really am honest with myself um, and I'm very careful and delicate with what I'm putting into this person's mouth. You know what I mean? And I try to get it as accurate as possible based on the information that I have and also reading between the lines. So it's a very delicate balance, but I always try to remember this was a real person and, and I need to respect what it is I put into their mouth, you know, <laughs> for this musical. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Now, um, you, Jamie, you've already sort of said that you're a bit of a newcomer to the world of Tudor history, but what about you, Melissa? Is this something that you've looked into before? Well, I think that I'm, because I'm from Wales, I think that it's naturally a part of my DNA in a weird way, I guess, because they were the first, you know, Welsh royal family, as it were, even though, you know, they kind of split apart, but let's not go into all of that (laughs) stuff right now. Um, But there's, um, I think that if when you grow up in Wales, when you grow up in Britain, you're always sort of around the Tudors, be it their castles, be it sort of the stories and all of that sort of thing. So I've always been surrounded by it. My mother's a bit of a Tudor file, I'll be honest. <laughs> but actually coming to this project, I've been reading a lot more um, and reading around the edges, which has been really, really interesting. Reading poems written by women in the Tudor court or reading um you know, letters that were sent from people in one court to the other. So it's been really lovely to get to know the world 
outside of the family tree so that when we were building this musical that we could essentially look at the whole world and the context of the world. I'm so sorry. I'm in New York City, so you can probably hear <laughs> everything happening outside. <laughs> but so yeah, I, so in a way, it's always been around me. But in other terms, it's been um, a bit of an adventure getting to know this world. Absolutely. And it's very addictive, ladies. I warn you, it's it's difficult once you've entered the world to find an exit. I haven't found one yet. It's been over 20 years. So <laughs> I don't think I'll ever find one. <laughs> so I want to delve a little bit deeper into the research because, Jamie, exactly as you said, these days, listeners, readers, you know, they're so well versed. Mm-hmm. People have access to primary sources. It's not really like it was prior to the internet. So people know a lot. So I just want to talk a little bit about the process that you've gone through in terms of researching and I'm happy for either of you to to respond to that. I just want to hear more a little bit about that journey and what sort of things you've looked at. You've mentioned you've looked at some, you know, letters between people. Have you done a lot of reading, a lot of discussing? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I I think that Jamie and I come at it at different ways. What we do is we, we talk about a lot of stuff that we discover and then we allow that to inspire us. So the internet is an incredible tool, but what I've discovered is that it's a rabbit hole. And you can go down that rabbit hole for months and months yes. and months. So, and so what's really wonderful is just kind of finding little kernels of information and then diving into those. Um, so that's kind of been my process, which has just been like finding those meaty bits of information and going, well, what was that about? Yeah, that's, I, I totally, I agree with that too, because we all have, or not we all, but, but coming up um, just through schooling and, and just history learning in general, you know, you have you have this just a little bit of a baseline. And then I've just really appreciated diving deeper. But for me, and diving deeper, you know, in this context, because for me, again, like, what's very powerful for me have been quotes from them that Mm. Melissa is so great, like, dig, like, how she's saying, like, she finds these kernels, and she shares them with me, and we, you know, share them with each other. And I just kind of cherish those. and, And I really try and let those inform some of my decisions and and to to not to let those kind of be north stars along the way because I always love like Melissa doesn't necessarily tell me where she puts quotes in or not or whatever you know in in the script and every now and then like some beautiful placements of actual quotes and I always think that's so powerful you know and I I love looking at the artwork too again on our same little trip we Melissa and I back in, in our cabin in the woods, we, we just had access to internet, thank goodness. And we, we just printed out, um, not only did we print out different like beautiful art, you know, and the, just some of the, the artwork from that period, but just artwork that has been influenced by the period also. And we just kind of printed everything out and put it all on this hardwood floor and just took it all in. Really, from an artistry standpoint, was really powerful for me. Just surrounding myself with with the tone and, and the vibe, to be quite honest, is really helpful. And I guess I've, I've done some reading as well. And, and what's been really interesting for me is hearing about Catherine's background, Melissa, like you touched on with growing up under Isabella and how really understanding where Catherine came from is mm-hmm. for me almost half the battle. Like, like, I feel like what we hear, you know, her time with Henry obviously was a good chunk of her life. Like, gosh, to, to think about where she came from and how she was raised is kind of mind blowing. It, it just, it makes so much sense because me coming from someone who is not diving into Tudor history, you know, I just before this, that I just had a working knowledge, but just the common working knowledge 
once you understand where Catherine was coming from, it all makes sense. But all I had was my working knowledge of she was the wife of Henry VIII, the first wife, you know, and just the the, the high points, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was so much more to her journey, and 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 just when you start to look at the twists of faith that fate that happened in her life, Henry's brother passing away, and all these things happening, you just look at watching her path and watching her fate unfold is so much more powerful when you know where she came from, and that's something that's really influenced me. That is so true. And it's at her early years, unfortunately, we don't hear that much about. They are, of course, overshadowed by her time as queen and then her time as discarded queen. But it's so true. And I'll tell you a very quick story. I went to, I was doing a trip of Spain. So I had my ancestry is Spanish and I do speak Spanish. And I went with my family. We caravanned around Spain. It was the most incredible experience. And I spent time at the Alhambra, which is the palace, one of the palaces where Catherine spent a lot of time. It's the most incredible, magical place I don't, have either of you been yes I actually went there when I was about five years old I don't remember any of it but there's pictures of me there <laughs> oh it, really? you have you know yeah. if you can go at some point please do you know after so many years about reading about Catherine's life and her move to England and how hard it was for her at that moment I really understood it when I was standing in this sun-drenched courtyard the smell of the citrus trees the beautiful warmth of the Spanish sun and I had also been to Ludlow which is where she lived when she first <laughs> married <laughs> yes exactly oh. you know when she first married Henry's brother Arthur and the con you actually can't find two more contrasting places I don't think in the world so yeah. at that moment I really really felt that I understood just how difficult that must have been for her. Like mm -hmm. I'd read it and I thought I got it kind of intellectually, but it wasn't until I made that connection with the actual space and the place of both mm -hmm. those places that I actually understood. So it is so important. Her early life is, is just crucial to understanding everything that she did after that. And, you know, the fact that she never, ever gave up her title is because she was born being told that she was going to be England's queen pretty much after a couple of years. So it is yeah. so true what you say. So, so true. Did you want to add something, Melissa? No, it's just that I think that it's so interesting that you, know, you say we don't know much about her early years because we don't. And well, we do, but we're not that interested in it. And it's that I, I'm very interested in the mythologies of, you know, family mythology. And so I'm interested in what was she told as a child? What, who was she told she could be? Who was she told that she was? And what did she see with her own eyes? Yeah. It's very brave of her to have gone, traveled, you know, on a horse, on a ship to England, to a cold, damp place, just like you say, you know, with the clouds, the sky is lower there, yeah. you know, whether you like it or not, you, you can't uh, get away from the clouds. It must have been very, very difficult for her. And then to lose her husband mm. right away within just a few months, you know, it must have been, and not to know then what her fate was, to have to wait around. And, and she did, she stuck it out. She was determined. She was determined to uh, see what was going to happen and ultimately marry Henry. Yeah. I really admire her. I really do. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that because I want to know specifically what you admire in these women. But I just want to, Jamie, I love hearing about your sort of creative process. It's so beautiful. And it's so, I don't know, it's just really lovely. And I'd, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about the process behind writing the song lyric? You know, how long does that take? Do you do it all at once? Do you come back to it? Um, and how have, have Catherine and Anne, and you've already touched on this, but maybe expand on it a little bit. How have they inspired that journey? So I come from the background here in Nashville. I, I learned of according to the Nashville School of Songwriting, which is kind of uh, a very high standard. I'll tell you that right now. It's a very high standard of storytelling. And I've been very lucky in my work in, in 
country music and just commercial music to have really been schooled by some of our greatest modern day storytellers in country music. And, and I really am so grateful that I have had that real world training with, with these masters because I've tried to take what I've learned from them as best as I can and, and use that to, to really make sure that the craft of this is as is, is, um, good as it can possibly be from a storyteller standpoint. As far as my process, I initially we, I feel like Melissa, we've gone almost scene, scene by scene and, and just like that, that kind of would, would, uh, would keep me on track and give me a, a goal because it's, you know, an entire musical is a very, it's just a huge responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And so you got to take one little bite at a time. And so initially just kind of taking it scene by scene to be literal about it. But when I actually have sat down to write, of course, like I, I am really proud of all of them, but I have little favorites in there, you know, and, uh, and some of them um, came from my real life experiences that happen to be happening in real time, for instance, when, when we would be working on a specific scene. So there's one very big duet that happens when that we see the rise of Anne and the fall of Catherine happening at the same time. And that scene has this song where they sing together and with each other and this horrible moment of them being ripped apart. Everybody just, everything's going haywire. And this duet is called um, Break My Broken Heart. And the heart of it lyrically says, you know, you as in Henry, it depends who's singing, but, but essentially Catherine is saying, you, Henry, found a way to break my broken heart. Because if you think about how many times this woman heart, woman's heart mm -hmm. has been broken just over her miscarriages alone, you know, um, what she went through just in that alone, her heart had, was just shattered and he found a way to break it one more time. And I just remember in my personal life, I, I was going through a breakup myself and granted it was not at the ma magnitude of what Catherine was going through. However, what made me come up with that lyric is it was so apparent that Catherine's heart had been broken so many times in so many different ways. And I immediately related to that. You know, I was like, gosh, how many times can a heart break? And, and how is it possible for someone to find a way? Because that's the lyrics, you found a way mm -hmm. to break my broken heart. And somebody has to really try and work at that. And I felt like in my, my personal life that someone had just really figured out a way and, and it just blew open the concept for that song and it was just so overflowing out of me because I had found a, a nerve in common with Catherine and so process wise sometimes musically because I by the way so many I think are written uh, or at least I, I'm learning you know I'm new to the theater world I'm not new to songwriting but I'm new to the to the theater beautiful world of theater and and I write everything on guitar which is which is interesting um, which has come in handy because I have like might be able to see some yes, of them I, I have like very that one in the middle I've been I've written a, a lot of our songs on that one in the middle that's my dad's guitar from when he was like 16 and that's a nylon string guitar which kind of invokes Spanish feeling music yes. you know you hear that a lot yeah. and so so I've on purpose have written a lot of the songs on nylon string to kind of get myself in the in the mood you know yeah. and and just <laughs> to be as authentic as, as I can be in the moment but to answer your question sometimes the lyrics will all pour out without music and I'll just, you know, just have, have the lyric and the story hit me. But I will say probably more often the music influences everything first. 
So I'll find the emotion within the music and the melody and the words will, will follow oh. that. But I can't, I, I have to say out of, of all the songs I'm kind of going through my head, all the songs pretty much so far have, have come together for the most part where the music and, and me just kind of blah, blah, blahing <laughs> the lyrics out of my mouth and stringing them together, they, they come simultaneously. And I know, I guess traditionally, a lot of times the music and the lyrics are written separately, but for me, they're, they almost always come together. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear about that process and, and you're clearly incredibly talented. So this is, this is so wonderful. Now, Melissa, yeah. I want to know a little bit, you know, you've, you've mentioned some things that you admire, obviously, about Anne and Catherine, and there are many, many things to admire about them. But I think sometimes they connect with us for different reasons. And I find that some people admire one aspect of them. And so I want to know, what is it that you admire about these women? They're both very different women, and so there are def definitely different things that I admire about both of them. With Catherine, I, I really admire the fact that she wants to make tomorrow better for everyone. You know, she commissioned a book for her daughter when her daughter was eight years old um, to try and uh, encourage her to um, continue being an educated woman, perhaps to help her along her journey as queen, perhaps she thought that was going to be on the books for her daughter at that point. But she also put in a lot of laws, a lot of social reform. Um, she did a lot for the, to help poverty in England at the time. I'm gonna say England, not Britain, because it was such a, a convoluted system. But um, so I really admire the fact that she really wanted to make tomorrow better, not necessarily for her, but for the next generation. And that's something that we really focus on. And then with Anne, I really relate to Anne because what Anne wants, in my opinion, is the freedom to choose. She wants the freedom of choice to choose her destiny, to choose who she can be with, who she can sing with, who she can write poetry with, who she can dance with. And constantly throughout her life, her choices are taken away from her. She's put into another place. She's been told to put on a new costume. She's been told to woo a new person for the sake of the family and so on and so forth. So I really admire the fact that Anne is constantly trying to find a way to find freedom of choice. And those mm. two things, although they're different, what Catherine is trying to do is actually ultimately what could help Anne. They just happen to be too close together in history. You know, had they been another generation apart, Anne might have had a very different life. Had Catherine survived and had Mary become the queen, maybe she could have been instead of the queen she became. So that's my, that's the sort of the root of my respect for these women. Now to say that, you know, to build a good character, you have to find the flaws too. Yes. So we are um, constantly sort of nitpicking at these characters too, you know, and we do have a few men in this musical. You know, we do yeah. have Henry so does make an appearance. You. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about <laughs> what the other characters, are there any other characters? You, you mentioned Catherine, Anne and Mary. Mm -hmm. Do we get any of the other big personalities in there? We do originally, actually, when we first started writing this, that Henry wasn't in it at all, which was really interesting. <laughs> but we've come to discover, actually, that we need him. Yeah. Sadly, we need him. But, you know, the thing about Henry is that I have a soft spot for him because he didn't want to be king. You know, he wasn't destined to be king. He was supposed to be the spare and he was the spare that became the king. So it was, there's something about the fact that um, he was a poet, an architect, a singer, a lover, a dreamer. You know, he was all of these things. And then he was thrust into this role and had no choice in the matter. We, we, we don't paint him as the wholly bad guy. It just happens to be that the world is tough for these women. 
and then we have Cromwell who just is a bad guy no <laughs> but yeah. we, have, yeah. we have other sort of lords that come in and we have you know our ensemble which is we have the ladies of the court as well and they all have very different personalities and they bring a lot of color to the court which is a lot of fun Oh, it sounds exceptional. And I always think of, I always think of a letter because you were talking about Catherine and Anne, the, the letter that Anne wrote when she was at Margaret of Austria's court. So I think she was about this. People disagree with this, but I think she was about 12 or 13 at the time when she wrote it. And I just love the fact that she says that she's basically preparing in order to be able to serve the queen as best she can. Mm. Now, again, people argue whether she meant the queen of France that she was about to go and serve or Catherine. I, I think she was talking about Catherine. And I think that's so, it's such mm-hmm. an interesting angle when people kind of paint Anne as this schemer and her whole life, mm-hmm. she just wanted yeah. to take the crown. No, well, of course she didn't. No. She was just had the same kind of aspirations as other, you know, girls her age at court. Mm-hmm. And she really wanted to serve Catherine well. And I think it's a, it's a nice thing to keep in mind as you read the rest of the story. Yeah, I think that that's something that people do forget is that, you know, she was, it was tough for these ladies. You know, it wasn't all dances and prunes and cakes. It was really, really tough. They needed to find a way to have a life, you know, and that was through court. So the closer you were to the queen, you know, you hope that your life could be a little easier. You know, I just, I feel for them. I really do. I, every time we dive into the show, I just keep thinking, gosh, the things that they put up with. And I wonder, have your ideas about either of them or any any sort of any person from the Tudor court changed from this? You've said this journey is you know, two years into this incredible journey. So was there anything that you kind of believed or thought at the beginning about somebody that now is kind of transformed or has evolved or is completely different? I think for me, it's Mary. Mary, because Mary wasn't sort of, in the beginning, she wasn't really a part of our storytelling until we'd realized how important she was for the storytelling. And for, you know, I grew up knowing her as the executioner, the woman who did terrible things and killed all the people. But actually, you know, she's so much more than that. And she didn't kill as many as many other royals, actually. But um, people forget that. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, getting to know her has been really, really amazing and seeing how quickly something can change and someone can change and how circumstances change people. Um, So that was my big revelation. And Jamie? For me, it was Henry. Mm-hmm. It was Henry for me because, again, with just your kind of basic working knowledge of history and the kind of surface of what we learn growing up, I I just always saw Henry as the villain and as just this tyrant and, and this just this persona that I think as we've gone further into the story, to me... And, and of course, like I was saying, based on based on their actual quotes and like, you know, not not us reading between the lines, but to me, learning what a what a free spirit he was and mm-hmm. that he was also this, you know, songwriter and all these things that I didn't really know about him. And that he was just like you were saying, Melissa, he was he was not the first in line. Right. And and to see him through that lens was really powerful because he just how Anne is kind of misrepresented and misinterpreted as being this like go getter. It's he the same thing, you know, that Mm -hmm. for me, I just viewed him as this ruling with this iron fist, whereas he was just kind of like, oh, well you're all we got. So let's go ahead and, (laughs) and you're up, you know, and, um, 
And I think it's, it's really interesting to look at him through that lens. And it informs a lot about Catherine too, and why she was so able to, to showcase what she was able to do as a leader is because mm-hmm. he really, up until a certain point, that wasn't his fate at all. Yeah. And so for his fate to immediately change, it's really, it's really eye-opening for me. And so I have like a softer heart for Henry. Mm-hmm. I just kind of see him as less of this scheming, power-hungry person. And I see him more as a little bit of a victim of his circumstance in some in some ways and some who got put into a situation he wasn't expecting and maybe he made decisions and things that that maybe others wouldn't have because he just wasn't he just never expected any of that he wasn't groomed certainly like how Catherine was <laughs> and so anyway Henry's probably my biggest revelation yeah he's quite it's, the it's, mystery isn't he Henry <laughs> Mm-hmm. He is. Mm-hmm. He is. I just discovered actually yesterday that he was really tall. Yes, he was very tall. They were all Taller very, all very tall. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. The Tudor family was—they were a tall family. They were. Yeah. I think he was six foot two. Is that right? He, something I, like that. Yeah, I can't remember now in feet, but I know that he was—he was definitely tall. I always compare him with my husband. I say, oh "My God, Henry was taller than you," because I think my husband's quite tall. I think he was around the one meter ninety. Sorry, I only know in meters, but I'm pretty sure it was about which is which is very tall. Yeah, yeah, it so really. I always think of yeah. him as not tall and as kind of this tall. sort of <laughs> stout thing, but he was actually this very handsome man oh, yes. once upon a time, wasn't he? Absolutely, wow. absolutely. <laughs> and I want to talk a bit about the songs because you've you've actually released some songs via Instagram. How have they been received? Yeah, we've been doing previews of of some of the songs and behind the scenes uh, work tapes is what we call them in Nashville, kind of the rough versions <laughs> of the songs that are not recorded. Uh, I think the reception has been really beautiful I think um it's the songs that we've chosen to release so and not necessarily release you know they're not commercially released they're just kind of put out there for people to to hear clips and things um but we've chosen some uh very heavy a lot of the songs have been very heavy you know part of the the more dramatic moments um but also I think Melissa I think I should be queen was was one of them to the songs that have been very um intense (laughs) um I think people have just said that they have been very moved and and one of the songs that we put up as it stands, this may change, of course, but one of the songs that closes, the song that closes the musical as of now <laughs> is called Always Almost. And we had released something for the fans to hear um, of that song. And, and we just had a lot of people react. I had written that song about, you know, I the way I related to it was between friends, truly. It was not a, a romantic type situation. It really was a situation between friends. And we had people respond. Obviously, they're thinking in the context of Anne and Catherine, which, which is true for this song but we had people respond to say oh I haven't been able to speak to this friend of mine for years and years you know we had like a falling out and this song I sent it to her you know and and I this is was my effort to reconnect because this the song always almost says I'm always almost where you are you know, I can, I can hear you call. I'm always almost not too far, I, my, but I can barely reach you. Just my arms aren't long enough to reach you is the tone of the song. And um, it was just really beautiful that, that people took that, you know, into their own lives, even to such an intense level. Like that was a really special thing. To the sad songs, everyone's just saying, oh my gosh, we're crying already. And <laughs> oh God, you know, this is so intense. And and um, but I'm, I'm happy for that, you know, because all art can be polarizing, you know, and so I just as a songwriter, um, I always hope that when you hear one of my songs and this is a tall order, this is just what I wish, you know, I don't say it happens uh, all the time, but I always wish like when you hear 
one of my songs that you never forget the first time you hear it. You know, I, I hope that I can make it powerful enough to where you just, you remember hearing it for the first time. And, and so I've really tried to do that with all of these songs. And so far, so good. Um, we haven't released any of the funny ones yet. There's certainly some, you know, we have this one song called I Could Shut Up. And it's about all the ladies of the court knowing that there's going to be an opening for Queen. They've been tipped off and they're like, well, I could shut up and be the queen. I could just wear the jewels and not be a problem at all. So that one's really fun. And so we haven't, you haven't kind of seen that side of the of the musical just yet, at least with what we've put out there. But what with what we have put out, people have been really kind and, and they've all wanted to hear more. So that's been very encouraging. That is fantastic. I'm impressed by the um, breadth of the fans. There are so many different ages and uh, yeah. they come from all over the world now. We have quite a nice little following on our Instagram. And I'm just always amazed by how many come via loving Tudors. Yes. and loving anything mm-hmm. Tudor. Yeah. And so they find us via this sort of passion of history. And so that's really nice too, that it's not, not that I don't love our theater fans, I adore our theater <laughs> fans, yeah. but it's really nice to have people from sort of all over that are coming to it from a very different perspective, which is fun for us, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you'll find that Tudor history lovers are very loyal. So once they, you know, once oh, they, they now love your, your musical. So it, it's a really great thing because they are fantastic supporters and loyal and just loyal mm-hmm. to, to Catherine, loyal to Anne. So it's, it's really nice. Oh, the other thing I have to add really quick that's yeah. been really special is some of the fans will private message me on our Instagram. By the way, our Instagram is at the King's Wife Musical. Yes. So I would, would, we would love for you to join us and, and weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was going to say that I've had some from just hearing the songs, because of course there's no context with the script yet. Right. Yes. So they're all guests, you know? And so I've had so many of the fans <laughs> message me directly and be like, is this from the scene when Anne finds out that Catherine has, you know, and so they just like are creating the circumstances and they're always asking me, I know you can't tell me, but do you think you could just let me know if this is the moment? Cause I think that's when this happens. <laughs> So it's really cool. They kind of use the music to create or they hear the their own mm-hmm. world in it and they try and like guess. So that's been really fun too. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. And you'll, yeah, it's because people are so personally invested in this story, I find that you'll get things like yeah. that. And I'm sure, Melissa, if you want someone to write the script, there's probably lots of people out there that have written it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're just so, so excited. So what do you ultimately, you know, you're still working through it, but ultimately what would you like viewers listeners to take away from from this musical I think that you know that history has been told through one lens for such a long time and that does tend to be the male gaze and that stories come through lots of different perspectives and I think that we need to look at history with new lenses just to see well what is the other side of that what is the experience of the other person not just the main character that we've known for so long So I hope that people will sort of start thinking about looking at books that are and papers that are read by different storytellers and not sort of the same, not that there's anything wrong with the historians that we know and love, but there are other perspectives out there. And I think that reading history through different perspectives is actually a very, very important thing to do so that we can see many, many ideas of what was to add to that because that's absolutely true for us. I'm hoping that that all of this incredible history and and 
you know, color that that will hopefully come come through our work is I'm hoping it'll bring awareness in that in that maybe we can, it'll make us kind of stretch and make us think it's really attention to, you know, they always say, you know, history repeats itself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to learn, you know, to really learn. And, and so I, I'm hoping that it encourages whoever watches our, our creation that I, I would hope it would make them think and encourage them to be really aware of of what to kind of go back to what we said initially of what what was happening then and what was right with it and what was wrong with it and to help apply and, and learn from that and, and to kind of help culturally right now and, and to just inform inform us now and, and help us to make better decisions and to help just there to be more acceptance and just overall openness to ideas from all people and just see what they missed back then. You know what I mean? To think about what was missed and also what they've given us, you know, to, to learn from and, and to repeat. <laughs> some things are worth repeating and some things are not. <laughs> and I hope, I hope we kind of are able to spotlight all sorts of things on either side. Um, but I just I wanted to add to before I forget, Melissa had said earlier, and this all goes together. Um, but Melissa said earlier about how she just admired Catherine's passion for making tomorrow better for understanding that it may not affect her life, but that it, it could certainly affect the future generations. And, and I have to say um, something we discovered in our creation of this and those of you who love history will will love this, I think the, the Tudor history, my best friends for, for years and years is um, a scientist and a PhD from Vanderbilt University. And when I told her that we were creating this, she kind of sat back and said, oh my God, I am the 20, I believe it's the 22 times removed great-granddaughter of Isabella. And so this is my best friend for over a decade and like one of the closest people to me. And she is this bloodline that Catherine works so hard to change the future for. And here she is, one of the most brilliant scientists that we have. And she's changing the world with her discoveries. And it just made me so emotional because I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, even though her story ended the way it did, that she did it. Mm-hmm. And here's living proof. Here's living proof that I've watched like how brilliant you know, my friend is. And that in a way... Catherine, she did exactly what she set out to do. And, and there's evidence of that in our world today, which is really mm. something beautiful. Yeah, Jamie, that is so beautiful. It is just perfect evidence of how connected we all are. And I'm actually, we won't go into it because this will be another hour yeah. podcast episode, but I actually do believe we can heal the past as crazy as it sounds. And I think that the beautiful work that you're doing is working towards opening that up and and inspiring more acceptance. And and as you say, just being open to different ideas and connecting and, it, and it's just exceptional. And I think that it's very interesting that the two of you are just so beautiful and exceptional and talented and that you're talking about women that were absolutely beautiful exceptional and talented so I think women are amazing and it's so important for our voices to be heard now and back then as well so mm-hmm. you know so so wonderful what you're doing so fans can obviously and you're going to have lots of them can connect with you on Instagram you've said that which is wonderful and when I do my little show notes I'll put a link to that and make it nice and easy and and link from my accounts just to send people your way you know, we're obviously in a tricky time at the moment, but is there any idea when this might be complete and be able to be shown to people? 
Yeah, I think completion is such a scary word for an it artist. Is, it is. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I think that, you know, we're working. We have um, a reading coming up this year, which we're excited about. It'll be one of the first times that we've sort of had a team together to actually put the show together. So that's really, really exciting. So that's coming up with Playwrights Horizons, hopefully at the end of the year. Obviously, everything's shifted back because of the state of where we are in that New York City. And then, you know, we've actually been speaking, funnily enough, to a producer in Australia. And um, we've been speaking to people in Britain and, you know, and here. So everything is still sort of in flux. We're still working. But I think that we still have some work ahead of us. We still have some um, growing to do within the musical. And so I hope that we can use, actually, we've used a lot of this, I guess what we could say is downtime, although it's not downtime to actually work on the show a lot and it's evolved a lot in the past few months so hopefully we can take this next year and continue growing it before we put it on stage so that people can uh, come and see it oh, i just can't wait so to see the costumes i know i'm all about the costumes <laughs> like i want to see the costumes and the music together oh, that's what i want <laughs> exactly well we can be patient ladies we can be patient and wait for the the journey to unfold as it's supposed to and it's just sounding fantastic now ladies one of the last things we do on our episodes of talking tutors is what i call a little game of 10 to go so it's really just mm. 10 questions to get to know you a little bit better. Although I feel that we've got a really good sense of you through our conversation, but there's just a few specific things. So are you ready for our 10 to go? Oh my gosh, I'm terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say that they're not hard because then people say to me, actually, that was really hard. So I I won't even say that. Let's start with you, Jamie. So what was a favorite childhood book? Or if you can't think of that, a toy? Yes. Favorite childhood book was a book called The Pokey Little Puppy. Oh, that my godparents would always read to me hands down that was my favorite book <laughs> I know that lovely golden storybook I love it and Melissa a signature recipe do you have anything you're known for oh I actually make a really good cowl um, a cowl is a um, a Welsh dish made with lamb and leeks it's like a big stew and potatoes and parsnips and you just boil it all up with tons of pepper and onions and it's delicious in the winter it keeps your cockles warm yeah that sounds really delicious I'm loving that (laughs) and Jamie do you have any pets I do I'm looking around to see if she's here Um, (laughs) Melissa and I are both cat people I have a Siamese cat um, who is definitely the king of this house Um, It's always are, I find. King Kitty, yes. <laughs> so yeah, she's she's a beautiful little Siamese. And Melissa, what's an inspirational place that you like to visit close to your home? I'm sure you've got lots being in such an incredible city. Um, I like to go to where my family are from, actually, um, in North Wales, a place called, well, it's Gwynedd, which is the um, northern part of North Wales. So it's, my family are from very mountain areas and seaside areas. So I love to be up there. I feel like it nourishes me in a very dark and moody way yeah. so I love it yeah that sounds good and, and good for inspiring writing I think all oh, those um, landscapes so. <laughs> and Jamie what's a favorite holiday destination for you I would say right now the kind of gulf coast of Florida I'm from very south Florida which is very different from north Florida we uh, we recently took a little trip down to it's just like this beautiful pristine area um like in the Destin, San Destin area, just on the Gulf Coast, kind of where Alabama and Florida and all of them touch right on the Gulf. And it's like the powder white sand and the 
the green emerald water like very clear so it's really beautiful very serene and very chill so <laughs> yeah that's that probably, sounds good that's probably my favorite yeah definitely and melissa now i have okay. to ask you the deserted island question anybody from history who would you like to be deserted on an island with oh my gosh any period um, any um, 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 who would I like to be on an island with? Oh my gosh, I'm so torn. There are so many people. I know, it's hard. A part of me, yeah. part of me wants to go with Oscar Wilde just because I think it would be a great time. But another yeah. part of me would like to actually go with Queen Elizabeth I because she was pretty formidable and I would love to just sort of learn from her how to be yeah. a bit sort of tougher. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm absolutely. sure she was a good time too, actually. <laughs> I think you had fun with her. I do. I think she, yeah. was, she was actually a lot of fun as well. And uh, what about, Jamie, the last film that you watched or, if you can't remember that, maybe the last series that you've enjoyed? Well, the last series, and this is so random, but um, it's just really kept our attention. It's this series about, um, it's like a competition of tattoo artists. <gasps> and it's so intense because you realize the tattoos that they're giving these human canvases as they call them are permanent and it's like on tv <laughs> and it's like so precious you know where there's like it's not the end of the world it's like yes it is the end of the world this is on their body forever um so it's like raises the stakes so high but it's actually really beautiful you see all this different artistry and like interpretations of the same assignment and it's I don't know it's it's very creative and the stakes are so high and it's very addictive and my fiance Jimmy and I are just addicted to it even though I have no tattoos I don't even have any tattoos but I'm like totally addicted <laughs> yeah, that sounds good and what about Melissa a memorable gift that you've been given oh god I'm such a nerd I hate how much of a nerd I am gosh I remember when my um my dad bought me the complete works of Shakespeare when I was 10 years old because I kept going into my mother's and ripping it so he bought me the complete works of Shakespeare and I read it from cover to cover it probably took me two years but I remember reading it and I, and I could quote passages from it um so that was I think one of my most influential books in yes. my life oh that's lovely yes I've got mine somewhere I haven't read it from cover to cover like you though I probably should at some you know what? Point. weirdly enough it's worth diving in every now and then every yeah, now and then when absolutely. I'm teaching a class I dive back in and it, they're wow. great stories <laughs> yes yeah exactly <laughs> Jamie what is a new you're, you're very talented so I don't know but what's a new yeah. skill that you might like to learn I don't know that I'd ever have time for this but I just <laughs> I think um, one of my favorite instruments is the pedal steel guitar. Oh. And it's just, it sounds like, it's just like, it makes your songs cry. It's like the most emotional instrument. And I feel like if I could actually have the time discipline, so difficult. It's like, you have to use all your hands and your feet and everything at the same time. Oh. So you have to be so coordinated. Um, <laughs> but, um, and so nuanced. If I could, if I could learn how to do that, I would just, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go and listen to it now because I don't know. I can't mm -hmm. get the sound in my head. Sorry. And lucky last for you, Melissa, what is something you're looking forward to this year? Oh, my gosh. Going outside and going to a bar and celebrating with my friends that we're all still here. Yeah, I think that for me, because I'm living in New York City, we've of been course. sort of uh, being... Um, yeah together is such a big part of our experience here and mm. so not having that opportunity to see our friends has been tough so um, I'm really looking forward to having a drink with my friends this yeah. year. I know yeah. the simple things that we took advantage of for so mm -hmm. long and now we're really understanding how yeah. meaningful they are and Jamie what about you? 
I think we're going to get married this year. So <gasps> I'm exciting. looking forward to getting married. <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. That, that's yeah. a really good one. <laughs> so. Oh, fantastic. And the very last thing I promise, ladies, and then I'll let you return to your evening. I always ask for a Tudor takeaway. So this is something that our listeners can go and check out after the show. Sometimes people suggest a song to listen to or a book to read or a website to have a look at. It can be really anything that might just expand their understanding of Tudor history or allow them to reflect on it. Do you have a Tudor takeaway for us? Tudor well, takeaway. Melissa, will you help me with mine while you're thinking about yours? I'm yeah. like, well, because um, Melissa, the um, the speech or the the Battle of Flodden is that something that you the, directly looked? Yeah, the speech itself. Yeah. Uh, so actually, no, I wrote. Um, you created that, right? I created a speech, yeah, but I created it in um, sort of a, an iambic pentameter, like an homage to um, a piece from Shakespeare. So, oh, wow. uh, but, but she, you know, I imagined that she, it was her St. Crispin's Day speech, you know, that sort of, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like what I was going to say is I just, I loved, like, I wish, I wish we could, I know we can't like publish that but Melissa just created this beautiful, almost just victory march of Catherine's that I just could picture the Battle of Flodden <laughs> specifically. I, you all may have already read um, a book called The Wives of Henry VIII by Antonia Fraser. Uh, yes. uh, Fraser. Yeah. So That's a great one, yeah. I've been very familiar with that, but, but someone who is newer to the Tudor world, I just took so much from that. And I thought there were so many really great tidbits and I just, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things I, I wasn't aware of that were um, just, I took with me. So I would say to check that out. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and yeah, Melissa? Um, I guess I would say if you are heading to Britain on a Tudor trail, I think that there's lots of usual suspects that people go to, but I highly recommend going to Pembroke Castle because it's where it all began and it's still standing and it's a really, really beautiful castle. And that area, that sort of area of the country is gorgeous. So Pembroke Castle to see where it all began. Oh, fantastic. It's on my list. I haven't made it that far yet, but I will. It's definitely. Ooh, let me you know, know when you go. I'll yes, give you some hints and tips yes, of places. Please, to go. absolutely. And ladies, this has been such an absolute pleasure and an honor. And I look forward to following your incredible journey and to celebrating with you when it all comes to fruition and we get to see it with the costumes and with the music <laughs> and with the incredible script and the music. And so thank you so much for talking Tudors with me. Thank you for having us. It's been delightful. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Talking Tudors. Thank you so much for joining us. I absolutely love to hear from listeners, so if you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hi, please get in touch with me via my website, www.onthetudortrail.com, where you'll also find show notes for today's episode. If you've enjoyed the show, please share the podcast with friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I also invite you to join our Talking Tudors podcast group on Facebook, where you can interact with other Tudor history lovers and hear all the behind-the-scenes news. You'll also find me on Twitter. My handle is on the Tudor Trail and on Instagram as the most happy 78. It's time now for us to re-enter the modern world. As always, I look forward to talking Tudors with you again very soon. Mm-hmm.